in our generation, I think people are intellectual. I think very independent and for their own self, they want to live life a little bit, travel, and maybe like, you know, finish everything that on their checklist before they settle down and, you know, have a family and children. Hello and welcome to Getting Pacific, where we get specific on trending topics straight from the newsroom here at Taiwan Plus. I'm Joey Chow. And I'm Trevor Tortomasi. And for this episode of Getting Pacific, we are going to talk about the reason why I haven't had more than five hours of sleep a day for almost two years now, the babies. Okay, you said puppy? Don't get me wrong, it's rewarding, it's enriching, it's like an infinity stone of happiness. Sometimes, but like many parents, at one point or another during the course of parenthood, I've dared to wonder what it's like to live a life without offsprings. You know, what would I do with all that freedom? What would I buy with all that extra cash? Would my life be more or less fulfilled? Would my parents be disappointed if I never passed on the family gene? Or do I even care about that? Now, these are the questions, and it seems more and more people in the developed countries are wondering the same thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure to have kids uh, in all kinds of different cultures and all kinds of uh, countries around the world. But the truth is, right now, in many countries with high income economies and advanced industrialization, both fertility and birth rates have declined so much that they can no longer secure generation replacement, which basically means that the population size is getting smaller and smaller. Some of these countries include the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Australia, and our close Asian neighbors, Japan, as well as South Korea. Especially our Asian neighbors. The rate of baby making has dropped significantly in Asia since Britney Spears sang Hit Me Baby One More Time. And we're here to find out why. What seems to be the problem? How we might be able to fix it? But let's start with this report from the Taiwan Plus newsroom. The number of babies born in Taiwan has hit a new low. There were some 135,000 newborns in 2023, a decline of around 3,000 from the previous year. Experts believe low wages, high house prices, and long working hours mean people are less likely to want children. A bump in births this year is not expected, even though it will soon be the year of the dragon, an auspicious time when more couples generally want to have kids. Right, for those of you who find it a bit silly that we Taiwanese people actually plan parenthood around Chinese zodiac years, well, the stats show that in the last two dragon years, that be 2012 and 2000, the rate of newborns got a 10 and 15% bump compared to the year before. I mean, why not, right? You might not be able to afford the best school for your children, but the least you can do is bring them to this world in an auspicious year. Yeah, auspicious uh, is one word for it. I was born in 1989, and so all of my friends who were born one year earlier in 1988 were Year of the Dragon. I was Year of the uh, the Lame Dragon, we called it. <laughs> we might have used <laughs> other words for it, but it was the Year of the Snake. So it's like trying to hit that dragon marker used to be a, a huge thing. I mean, obviously for more reasons than one. No animal discrimination. It's just that everyone likes dragon the best. I don't know why. And like you mentioned, in the year 2000, Taiwan's birth rate was on the rise more than 300,000 newborns that year. So more than two decades later, it's now less than half of that number. And it's unlikely that superstition will save the birth rate this year. 
So the number of newborns are at a historic low, and in the latest reports from the Central Intelligence Agency, Taiwan's birth rate is near the bottom of a list of 227 countries in the world, while Taiwan's fertility rate is last compared on that same list. And if you've ever been in the same class with Asian people, you know that we don't like to be last. I should make clear that uh, birth rate measures the number of births compared to any given population in a year, while fertility rate is the average number of children women are having in their lifetime. Taiwan being at the bottom of both lists means that women in Taiwan are having fewer babies while the population is decreasing rapidly. But it's not just Taiwan that's trailing in birth rate and fertility rate. Many of our close Asian neighbors, such as Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, and Japan, also occupied the low end of both lists. So what seems to be causing this? Why have babies stopped booming in some of the most advanced economies in Asia? And what is Taiwan doing in the face of a rapidly decreasing population? We'll be speaking with a Taiwanese obstetrics and gynecology doctor about all of this. But first, what are some of the negative effects of an aging population? Well, Trevor, I'm glad you asked because here's my college tuition money spent on economics and political science major uh, finally put to good use. First of all, a super-aged society is what we call a country that has more than 20% of its population over the age of 65. Japan has long been a super-aged society. After the 2010s, the US, Canada, and many European countries have joined its ranks. Taiwan is projected to do the same in 2025. And a super-aged population is generally no bueno for an economy, uh, the first reason being labor force shortages. A shrinking pool of young workers can lead to low productivity and reduced economic growth. If a country has more and more elderly than the young, it can put a strain on the healthcare, welfare, and pension systems. The government will be forced to either make cuts in services or increase taxes, which we don't want. Finally, low birth rate also means smaller family sizes, which can lead to swift changes in, say, traditions, values, and social norms. And in a country that has more elderly people who are usually more conservative, this could create, you know, polarizing political views and probably animosity amongst people. Yeah, so those are the effects of low birth rates. Now, what are some potential causes? Well, in Hong Kong, it's generally recognized as the result of an outflow of young population, high cost of childcare and shelter, like renting and buying houses. And in South Korea and Japan and Singapore, it's said to be caused by high cost of shelter and extremely long work hours, with Singapore being in the top five of the most overworked worked cities in the world. Here in Taiwan, sometimes it can feel pretty much the same. Yeah, and if you're overworked, you definitely don't have time to think about a baby or dare try to raise a baby. Uh, yet, uh, it would seem that everywhere you go, the exponential increase in house prices can also be felt in most major metropolitan areas, especially in the global cities that play important roles in the world economic system. Here in Taipei, that problem is made much more severe with low national wages. Since the year 2000, Taiwan's GDP has increased by 120%, that's more than doubled, while the average wage growth is only 4%. 
and difficult economic conditions are making young people think twice about getting married, let alone having kids. In the year 2000, the average age of first marriages in Taiwan was around 30 years old for men and 26 years old for women. In 2023, the average age has gotten later to around 32 years old for men and around 30 years old for women. But that's the national average. In Taipei, the capital city and economic center of Taiwan, the ages for first marriages are highest on average with men at 34 years and women at 32. Right. I got married at 34, which is sort of on par with the average. And thankfully, my parents didn't give me a lot of pressure, but I knew they were getting impatient. I thought they were worried about not being able to see their grandchildren. But now that I have kids of my own, I can see that my father is just sort of savoring every complaint from me about not getting enough sleep, uh, burdened by financial concerns for the family. Like there is a genuine glee in his eyes when he gets to tell me it's tough, isn't it, being a parent? Now, do you see what I went through? Those kind of words. Uh, Anyway, the schadenfreude energy is very heavy with that one. Yeah, he wasn't only waiting to play with the grandchildren, but he was waiting to to give you crap for it. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Uh, And with young people getting married later and first-time parents getting older, there is an inescapable biological concern with infertility. It's getting harder for couples to get pregnant. For this, we spoke with Dr. Tsai at Taipei City's Cathay General Hospital about some of the difficulties older couples are facing with childbearing. The maternal age for the first child is going up a little bit. Um, Mostly right now, I see the age of the moms with the first babies are around like maybe 32 to 34 or 35 maybe. For advanced maternal age, we set the limit as uh, 35 years old. But when you become pregnant at 34 and you deliver at 35, that's also um, considered as advanced maternal age, which will increase the infertility rate because the egg quality will not be as well. And also the egg amount will be very, very reduced. If you do become pregnant at advanced maternal age, a lot of things can go wrong, such as um, the Down syndrome, any other kind of chromosomal abnormalities, or there's like micro deletions, especially like the George syndrome or like Prader-Willi, Angelman syndrome, preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, etc. Also, there may be a um, higher risk of like spontaneous abortion, preterm labor or prolonged labor. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's a, a lot to worry about. Conception is difficult and and pregnancy has a lot more health concerns at higher ages. It, yeah, it's hard for the women. My wife went through a lot of morning sickness and preterm labor. Thankfully, there are some subsidies for those health concerns. So here's Cleo once again for a word on those subsidies. For infertile patients under 40, under no protection, and the couple has not been pregnant in half a year to a year, then we will start IVF protocols. And the government will subsidize successful IVF, a hundred thousand Taiwanese dollars at most. So if um, the patient tried and failed, they will also subsidize, but not as much. And it also depends if it's your first try, second try, or third try. So we do have a couple prenatal checkups that are are subsidized. So first of all, there's a new $8,000 taxi fee that's subsidized for the whole pregnancy checkup. After receiving the the mom handbook, then we can um, ask the prenatal care facility to help you apply for this $8,000. So we have 10 times of prenatal care, the prenatal checkup. So which means that the registration fee to go to the hospital is very reduced. So I just my 
hospital. Like it's a private hospital and it's a medical center. The registration fee is a little bit higher than the usual clinic. So I'm gonna say around like maybe for like every visit should be at least like you know four hundred to five hundred Taiwanese dollars. However, with booklet and you're using a prenatal checkup, the registration fee will be reduced to like about one hundred fifty Taiwanese dollars. And okay, second one is the Down syndrome checkup. I believe a two thousand dollar subsidy. Um, however, every hospital and clinic has different prices on this um, checkup, so there will be a portion of the fees that we will have to pay, maybe like around a thousand or something. Right. So, just so everybody knows, the IVF stands for in vitro fertilization. Uh, that means the eggs and the sperms are extracted. And then inseminated in sort of a laboratory situation、uh, before the embryo is then、uh, inserted back to the womb. So IVF subsidies are only for low to middle income families and women under forty five years of age. But money is just one thing. The process itself is a lot of physical and psychological stress on the women. My wife and I went through it. Well, actually, she went through it. It started with ovulation induction procedures, where the woman undergoes hormonal therapy to stimulate the ovaries to produce multiple eggs, and she had to take a lot of pills, like a dozen a day. And I had to jab her with needles every day. It's pain on her part and psychological stress on my part.、Uh, the needles hurt, and the pills made her drowsy and nauseous. Just before egg retrieval surgery, bigger needles and more pills. Then after implantation. There is an anticipation period, which is the worst. You have to wait for weeks to find out if you have a successful pregnancy. If you see red, you are supposed to go to the doctor right away. Take more needles to try to keep the embryo. But at least the subsidy can help with some of the financial stress. We couldn't get subsidized, and it cost us more than I think 200k、uh, New Taiwan dollars from beginning to the end. Yeah, that's about 7,000 uh, US dollars. Yeah, somewhere around there. That is a lot of money, and I'm glad your wife is okay because you guys have some awesome kids. But childcare doesn't stop at fertility procedures. The government is also offering a lot of subsidies for childcare between zero to six years old. There is a childcare allowance if you or your parents or grandparents have time to care for them at home. Since in most families both parents are working these days,、uh, childcare vouchers are also available to offset the costs of childcare services. And starting in 2023, these vouchers are available to everyone, including those with higher incomes. Parents who reach an agreement with their employers can take a temporary leave up to six months, while the Ministry of Labor subsidizes 80% of their salary. So there are tax credits or deductions and support for low-income families. Yet the birth rate remains low in Taiwan. So what seems to be the problem? It's housing, man. Shelter cost, and that's a big problem everywhere. While you generally need a roof over your head. If you want to have kids, and it costs a lot to either buy or rent in cities like Hong Kong, Seoul, Singapore, or Taipei. Where we are, for a little perspective, it's generally recommended as financial advice that if you consider buying a home, the house price should be about three to five times that of your annual income. For example, if you make a hundred thousand U.S. dollars a year, you should be buying houses priced around three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand U.S. dollars. That way, you're not taking on too much debt and will have a decent amount of money left for living cost after you make your mortgage. 
mortgage payment each month. Uh, so that three to four times is what we call house price to annual income ratio. And in some of the most expensive cities in the world, that ratio is much higher for local residents. So for New York, it's 11 times, Vancouver, 12 times, Sydney, 13, and Hong Kong being the most expensive city to find shelter in the world, it's 18.8 times. And in other words, for the average income earners, if you don't eat, don't drink, don't shop, it would cost you about 18.8 years to save up enough money to buy a house in Hong Kong. Now that number is equally high in Seoul, which is 15.2, Singapore, 13.7, Taipei here, 15.5. It is really high in Taipei. It's a bit bizarre. I've talked with people my age trying to buy houses in uh, California and the US. Uh, they're going through similar troubles. Taipei has a much lower cost of living in general, but then when you go and try to buy a house, it can be more expensive than some of the struggles my friends in California are going through. So it's it's really out of whack. And if you're thinking, okay, but no one really buys a house with cash, right? They get a mortgage and pay about 20% down payment. Well, that's the main reason why couples have been getting married later. It's because without generational wealth, you likely have to spend years saving up for that 20% down payment. And that is if you decide to get married or have babies at all. The latest survey shows that the percentage of unmarried Taiwanese people people between the ages of 25 to 44 increased from 26% in the year 2000. And now 24 years later, that number is at 49%. So half of what we call the marriageable age group isn't even considering it. So as a bright, high-earning and hard-working individual herself, let's see why Dr. Cleo Tsai, for example, thinks that marriage or childbearing is not in the plans for a lot of women. So right now, a lot of my um, same age colleagues are actually also discussing this question as well. Um, although the fertility window is still there, but more people are choosing a later time to become pregnant. In our generation, I think women are intellectual. I think very independent and for their own self, they want to live life a little bit, travel, and maybe like, you know, finish everything that on their checklist before they settle down and, you know, have a family and children, which will increase the infertility rate. So in the next couple of years, what I would suggest is maybe considering um, subsidizing for, you know, oocyte. Uh, some cities are already starting this for oocyte preservation, which means egg freezing. Yeah, I've been hearing some more news about people trying egg freezing, although there are still laws kind of creating obstacles around the process. Yeah, right. Do you have to sort of be uh, deemed as a, as a married couple by the government to receive any subsidy for it? Uh, and I'd like to add to that. Remember, Taiwan's GDP has increased by 120%, so more than doubled, driving up cost for goods and services as well as housing, while the average wage only grew by 4% over the last 20 years, and raising kids cost a lot of money aside for those who really love children and maybe those who have family pressure to procreate why would you want to take a dent to your quality of living by having children you know government subsidy or otherwise and not to mention the lack of sleep the stress of disciplining your kids the pressure of academic performances for your kids etc and for women remember taiwan is still somewhat traditional when it comes to uh, family units so for a lot of sacrifice for a husband or in-laws who 
may or may not even really appreciate the effort that you're making. Yeah. So while obviously everyone has the right to choose not to have kids for the families that do decide they really want kids and they go through the financial, the physical and the uh, spiritual stress um, that all of that entails to, to bring new humans in the world and hopefully teach them to be good humans. Uh, boy, I think they deserve some extra patience. So if you hear some kids crying in the store, uh, just remember what that family is going through. <laughs> yeah, well. Well said, Trevor. And that also goes for restaurants, parks, and any public transportation like buses, trains, and airplanes. Oh boy. I'm about to take my two-year-old boys on their first flight and I am dreading it. My worst fear is if any one of them suddenly decides to throw a fit and disturbs everyone around us in the middle of the flight. Oh man, I think I'm having a minor panic attack just thinking about it. Anyhow, most people these days don't have three or four kids anymore, so it's highly probable that any parent you run into is a new parent and is still getting a hang of things. So please give us some patience and help even, and we'll thank you dearly. I know I would. Anyway, that about wraps it up for today's episode about birth rate and fertility rate of Taiwan. Thanks for joining us today. I hope we got Pacific enough for you. I am Trevor Tordomasi, and you can find me on all social media platforms at Trebotsky. And I am Joey Chow, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook with Joey Taipei. And if you want more news and views from Taiwan and around the world, head on over to TaiwanPlus.com or find Taiwan Plus News on YouTube, IG, or Twitter. Join us again next time on Getting Pacific. Pacific.